Ephesians chapter 1, we will read this morning verses 3 through 14. And I'll try to promise this will be the last time we're in this passage. It's been very good. One long sentence. This is God's holy, inerrant, and authoritative word to us this morning. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, it is your holy word this morning that we read that we want to hear from, to the praise of your glory. Strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the coolest inventions I think of in the last couple of years, in my opinion, is the drone. You know, the drones, I mean, they're kind of in the news for like all the wrong reasons for doing bad things, but they're, they're really cool what, what drones do and what they, what they might do especially the ones that take these kind of high-definition, you know, high-tech cinematography, you know, going over mountains, rivers, all kind of things like that. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you're watching some drone video footage, okay? And this this drone footage, this high-definition video footage is, is soaring over this mountain range called Ephesians 1. 3 through 14. We've called this passage a, a majestic mountain range of, of God's grace. So let's call this mountain range, let's give it a name, let's call it In Christ, because everything we've been reading and studying has all been in Christ. And so it's called In Christ because the, the focus of this passage, the, the highlight of this mountain range, the notoriety of it is God's sovereign grace through Jesus Christ. So as this camera drone approaches these mighty, majestic mountains, there are four very distinct peaks in this mountain range. You know, this is what this mountain range is known for. And those four distinct peaks, peaks that we see towering in this mountain range are predestination, adoption, redemption, and assurance. These four mighty peaks 
show us the towering peaks of God's sovereign grace in Christ. They are the four spiritual heavenly blessings that the Apostle Paul has been preaching to us from Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. That is what is before us. God's sovereign, majestic grace through His heavenly blessings. And so we studied in great detail the the doctrines of predestination, adoption, redemption. And now we come to this fourth wonderful heavenly blessing, and that is assurance. All of these blessings, all of these emphasis of God's sovereign grace have to do with our salvation. And so when we speak of assurance, we're talking about assurance of salvation. And so some questions might come to mind this morning. Is assurance of salvation possible? Is assurance of salvation possible? If so, can you have assurance of your salvation? I mean, how can you really know that you are saved? Those are the questions that we will seek to answer this morning biblically through our study of God's Word. But before we get to assurance, talking about what the Scripture teaches of assurance of salvation, let's first talk about another very important doctrine that the Westminster Confession of Faith calls the perseverance of the saints. The perseverance of the saints. It's one of the five points of Calvinism. It's one of the great doctrines of grace of the church perseverance of the saints. But who are the saints? Who are the saints that persevere? Well, the saints are Christians. The saints are those who belong to God. The saints are those who are his adopted children. The saints are the church. They are the new creations in Christ. And so in the confession, the perseverance of the saints teaches us that once someone has been born again in Christ, Once someone has trusted in Christ alone for their salvation, then nothing can separate them from their salvation. That is what the doctrine teaches. How can that be? How can that be possible? Well, since salvation is the work of the Lord, since it was Him who chose us in Christ, who redeemed us in Christ, who has given us faith by His Holy Spirit, we are eternally saved. They are kept in faith by the power of God and thus persevere to the end. That's what the confession teaches in chapter 17. Our perseverance doesn't depend solely upon our own free will, but upon the grace and the power of God. But upon the intercession of Jesus Christ and upon the abiding work of the Holy Spirit, it is the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who completes this preserving work in us. It is the Trinity that is the basis of our assurance. And so assurance of salvation teaches us that those who truly believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and love Him sincerely, those who endeavor to walk in good conscience before Him, they may in this life be certainly assured of the state of grace that they are in and may rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Again, that's from the Confession, chapter 18. And so the pastor-scholar, Joel Beakey, kind of puts it together this way. He says, assurance is wedded to the doctrine of perseverance. 
Perseverance and assurance are two sides of, of one coin. They're the same coin. You cannot persevere in grace without growing in assurance, and you cannot grow in assurance without perseverance. They go together. And so assurance is the wonderful spiritual blessing that is before us in Ephesians 11 through 14, in chapter 1. And what we're going to study here, what we're going to see is our assurance of salvation. It's not based upon us, but upon God. That's as simple as I can put it for you. Our assurance is not based upon us, but upon the triune God. And so we have assurance. And we can persevere in the Christian life because of four things that are taught to us in Ephesians 1, 11 through 14. The first is we have assurance because we belong to God. Secondly, we have assurance because God works all things according to his will. Third, we have assurance because we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And fourth, we have assurance because this is how God receives glory. So first, let's look at how we have assurance because we belong to God. Look in verse 11. In him, that is in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. In Christ, we have an inheritance. Everyone in here is a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Good news, you are all going to get an inheritance. You may have been left out of an inheritance before, but not this morning. Everyone who believes in Christ receives an inheritance. What is this inheritance? Our inheritance, as the scriptures teaches, is our salvation. Our inheritance is our salvation that was purchased for us through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ on the cross. We belong to God, and our salvation is this wonderful inheritance. We get it all in Christ. In Christ, all spiritual and heavenly blessings belong to those who are in Him. All blessings are ours in Christ. But in this inheritance, God loves giving it all away. And the reason why he wants to give it all away is because God in this process, in this inheritance, he gets us. We get it all in Christ. The spiritual and heavenly blessings that we've been preaching and talking about, God gets us. We get salvation and we belong to God. All who are in Christ belong to God. Just as we read this morning from Deuteronomy, God is constantly saying to Israel and over and over, you are mine. You belong to me. I chose you. I'm yours. So is the church. So are all those who are in Christ. We belong to God. Furthermore, our inheritance, our salvation, Paul says, has been predestined. Having been predestined according to the purpose of him, that is God. God has sovereignly ordained, He has sovereignly decreed that we should belong to Him. And we've already studied before that this was decided beforehand. This was decided at the foundation of the world, that we would belong to Him. That God would set His love and affection upon His adopted children. We belong to Him. Remember the love that you always wanted? Remember, that's how we described election or predestination. It's the love you've always wanted. You cannot earn it. You can never lose it. 
It will never fail you. That is God's love. Because of God's predestined love toward you, those who are in Christ belong to Him. We are His. And so the question for you this morning is, do you know that you are not your own? Do you know that you are not your own? If you are in Christ, you belong to God. And since you belong to God, you have assurance that He who redeemed you, that He who called you before the foundation of the world, you are His. You belong to Him. Blessed assurance that we belong to God. Secondly, though, we have assurance because of God's will. Look at there again with me in verse 11. In Him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. Our inheritance, our assurance of salvation is because of the sovereign will of God. The questions for us to consider in in life and in our doctrine is this, when it comes to God's will. Do I believe in a God who has a sovereign, do I believe in a God who has sovereign power over his creation and over his creatures? Do I believe in a God who is absolutely in control and in charge of all things, every single thing? Do you believe that? You see, God does have a will, and His will shall be accomplished. He is the sovereign Lord. It is His sovereign prerogative as the Lord God Almighty to accomplish His will. Many have a problem with this teaching. This makes many folks uncomfortable In a God who, I mean, I believe in a God who's sovereign, but not that sovereign. But this is who the God of the Scriptures is. This is, this whole passage is full of God's sovereign will. Our assurance, God's plans, all of human history is all because of God's will, not our will. Look in verse 5. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Verse 9, He made known to us the mystery of His will according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ. And again in verse 11, He's working all things according to the counsel of His will. Do you believe in a God whose will is absolutely sovereign? But what about free will? What about our will? Where where do we come in in all this? I want to remind you that the teaching of scriptures, the teaching of God's word is that our will is fallen. Our will is tainted. Our will is sinful. And left to ourselves, we would not choose God. But God's will is perfect. God's will is unchanging. We belong to Him because it is His will, not man's will. Are you comfortable with this teaching? Are you comforted by the fact that God's sovereign grace causes your will to be broken, 
to be remade and reformed and, and conformed to the will of God. Because that was, that's what must take place. That is how sovereign His grace and His love is. I hope that you are comforted by this. I hope that you will be glad. Rejoice and be glad that a sovereign and loving God who loves you enough will not let you remain dead in your sins and trespasses. That according to the counsel and good pleasure of His will, He has chosen us in Christ unto everlasting glory out of His mere free grace and love. That is our God. What assurance God's good and perfect will gives us. We belong to Him. And he has ordained it because of his sovereign will. Those are just two of the blessings of our assurance. A third, we have assurance because of the Holy Spirit. We don't talk about the Holy Spirit enough. We just don't. But he's God. He is God the Spirit. He is a part of the Trinity. He is the one who comes and accomplishes God's sovereign purpose in the life of, our, of his people. And so our assurance is also the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the counselor of truth, the one Jesus says that he will take the things from me and make them known to you and apply them to your hearts. So this passage teaches us three truths about the work of the Spirit, three ways in which the Spirit accomplishes God Almighty's will. And applies this assurance to our hearts. The first is, look with me in verse 13. Paul says, the promised spirit. The spirit is promised. There were those who were so sad and so discouraged that Jesus was going to leave them on this earth and ascend to heaven. But he told them, it is good for you that I do this. Because the Father will send the spirit, the spirit of truth, who will dwell in you. Jesus promised his disciples this, that the spirit of truth would come and dwell in our hearts and take the things of God and make them known to us. And so the Holy Spirit now dwells in all of those who belong to God. You are, if you are in Christ, you are now the temple of God. He dwells in you, the church. But the spirit is also a seal. Look at what Paul says there in verse 13. You were sealed with the promise, Holy Spirit. Our assurance is guaranteed not by our power, but by the sealing of the Holy Spirit. The sealing of the Spirit denotes ownership and protection. Think, if you will, of a rancher. A rancher is taking care of his cattle, and he has thousands upon thousands of acres of cattle roaming the countryside, but his cattle might also kind of get mixed up with some cattle from a neighboring rancher. And so how do you know the difference between the cattle? They're branded on the bottom. And I'm glad we don't do that to our children. And those cattle belong to that rancher because it has his seal, his sign. They belong to him, the Holy Spirit brands us, shows us that we belong to God. 
God puts his spirit within his people, John Stott says, to mark them as his own. The spirit is our seal. And thirdly, the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance. So I told you all, you were all going to get an inheritance if you're in Christ. And here's your guarantee. Here's your down payment. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. This language that Paul is using, it means like a down payment or a pledge that it's as good as done. God makes a contract with us in a sense. The Spirit not only promises us and guarantees our final inheritance, but shows us that we get to partake of that inheritance even now. And we will fully enjoy it in our future glory. The Holy Spirit is promised to those who are in Christ. He is the seal that those who, of who, those who belong to Him. He is the guarantee of our final salvation. So I ask you this morning, do you know the Spirit? Do you know the one who is promised, who is a guarantee, who has sealed those in Christ? How wonderful it is that God has put His Spirit in us and assured us that we belong to Him because we are His. He dwells in us. And finally, we have assurance because this is how God receives his glory. Look in verse 14. Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Our predestined salvation, our assurance, its goal is the praise and glory of God. Our study of this glorious sentence in Greek, verse 3 through 14, all one sentence in Greek, it began with an outburst of praise, and it ends that same way. Our salvation, our election, our adoption, our redemption, our assurance, it's all about God's glory and praise. This is why we were chosen. This is why we have been redeemed the praise and glory of God. So the Apostle Peter says, but you are a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. We are saints. And our purpose is that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. By his grace and to his praise, that is our purpose. What is your chief end? What is your main purpose? It is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. What is the chief end of our assurance of salvation that we've been speaking of here? It is so that we might live to the praise of His glory. By His grace and to His praise. This is the message of salvation in Christ. This is our assurance. So we're just through one passage in Ephesians. <laughs> and this, this teaching from Ephesians has a strong emphasis on the sovereign grace of God. And it should move you. It should, it should upset you. It should rattle you. It should get you thinking. It should cr- cause you to cry out to God to remind us and teach us 
that it's the faithfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ rather than our faithfulness alone that achieves the wonderful purposes of God's sovereign will in Christ to the praise of His glory. It is God who is faithful. So what is the response to this blessed assurance that belongs to those who are in Christ? How are we to respond to this? Well, the response is given to us in verses 13 through 14. The Apostle Paul exhorts us, hear the word of truth. Hear it. Believe. Believe the gospel of your salvation. Live. Live for the praise and glory of God. How much joy How much joy is ours in our blessed assurance that is ours in Christ? What greater joy could there be that though we may lose everything here on earth, it may be all gone tomorrow. We have an everlasting inheritance. Our final and complete salvation is awaiting us and it can never be taken away. If you are in Christ, it is yours. And so I ask you this morning, do you know this joy? Do you know this joy? Do you have this assurance? If not, then go to the only one who can give it to you. The Lord Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption. In him, we have an inheritance. In Him we have an everlasting joy. Go to Him and know this assurance. Let's pray. Lord, we're about to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And we sing it to You because it is Your faithfulness. It is Your sovereign grace. It is Your awesome love gives us the assurance. We thank you that it's not up to how we feel from one day to the next, but it is you, O Lord. It is you that has called us to belong to you. You say that we are yours and you are ours. We thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who has accomplished all of this for us. For it is his name that we pray. Amen.